Welcome to Best Kept Secrets Travel, episode 16. My name's Morgan. And I'm Will. And on today's episode, we're going to go through a few of our most unique, funny, and interesting stories. So you might want to keep watching this because we're going to be talking about licking ants' bums. Best friends and that's for life. Who stay traveling? I'm talking worldwide. 65 countries between the two. Every moment is so unbelievable. Sharing the best kept secrets about the trips and mistakes they made that they can't forget. So tell me if you're ready for a time to remember as they gear up for the next adventure. Yeah. Woo. Best kept secrets travel. So the way this episode structure is going to work is we're going to talk through five of our weird, interesting stories. Some of some of them are both of us. Some of yep. them is just one of us. And I think we're going to kick off with uh, Australia. Yeah. So as mentioned just at the beginning, first few seconds of this episode, Morgan and I have licked ants. Most people would think this is a slightly is that not bizarre- normal. Yeah. Is that not a normal thing? Do you not go in your garden and lick ants? <laughs> Well, in Australia, there's a very specific type of ant called the green ant. The green ant, otherwise known as a weaver ant, is an ant that a lot of the Aborigines used to use. And we even got told about, they used to grind them up together and then they'd rub them on the gums of a baby whilst they're, whilst they're going through a teething stage. And you're slightly confused that that's a thing. Okay, let's find out. Mm. My biggest question, how did they find this out first? Because yeah. the ants have that almost... Almost feels like some sort of I don't know. It's like a numbing agent in a way. That's yeah. why they used it. It, it looked, but it, it physically looks like this almost fluorescent <laughs> neon green green blob on the back of the ant. That's like something's almost stuck to them, rather yeah. than it being a part of their body. And, and they are tiny. They're, they're, well, they're ants. Yeah, they're they are small tiny ants. ants. <laughs> yeah, and we we were on a waterfall tour yeah. up in Cairns and. We were told we just got off the bus, and we, this guy walked up to this post uh, as in our guide, and he said, "Oh, the, the weave, these weaver ants are here. We can lick them." And everyone's sort of looking around, going like, "He was slightly crazy before we even got there." So I was like, oh, "Okay, like this is going to be a really fun trip." And then out of nowhere, yeah, lick these ants, lick them. And and obviously he's done it multiple times before, so he didn't do it. He was just like. You guys do it. And we're sort of like, at, to start with... We're a pretty with, good group. We might have had 12, 14 people in our group. And then everyone's staring at each other, sceptical. Am I going to be the first person to lick an ant? Whilst it, everyone else it, laughs at me, if, if it's not true. Well, so many things go through your head. Because it's like, I'm picking up this thing off the floor and then licking it. It's an animal. It's Can their, it bite me? It's, can it bite <laughs> me? It's their bum. Also, I don't want to hurt the animal. <laughs> okay, I don't want to hurt the animal. Um, and then also, they do these tours daily. So how many people are licking these ants' bums? Exactly. It's not very COVID-friendly. Luckily, this was back in, what, 2018? Yeah. And I can't... I, how would you describe it, though? It, it was almost like a zesty, numbing... Lime. It tastes like lime. Yeah. It we did. all joke saying straight after, it's like, oh... You don't need lime after tequila. You need a small bowl of ants. Yes, we did. It's like, have a I shot of tequila. I remember that now. <laughs> Imagine licking salt, <laughs> shot of tequila, and then you're just, just grabbing a mouth ant. of ants. 
oh yeah i remember that and slowly but surely everyone was starting to try and pick up an ant then i became like addicted to it it's like give me more <laughs> <laughs> i remember i struggled to actually pick up the ants i didn't know how hard to squeeze yeah because when the aboriginals used to do it they they just killed it said they yeah they just killed it they crushed them up they sometimes twisted their head offs and then yeah killed it we didn't want to kill it no i mean maybe it was just they didn't want to kill it because they keep wanting to use the same ants to lick (laughs) it's it's possible but these guys are part of our tour (laughs) yeah Yeah, they get a fee they get a commission (laughs) we just don't kill them (laughs) yeah but it was it was a weird experience and definitely not something that I was ever expecting to do when going to At the same time anywhere. really just don't put it past us now. We we always find that we're in different situations when mm. we're when we're in all these countries together. So licking ants bums was sort of like, uh yeah. Doesn't surprise me anymore. Yeah, true, true, although we This was quite early on in our travels together. It was and I'm scarred by it still. Not not as a bad experience, but I just Yeah. Mm. So if you're watching this episode or listening to us on podcast, comment below or send us a message saying if if you've gone to Australia, this was on Uncle Brian's Waterfall Tour, which we have bigged up in our Australia episode, which mm-hmm. was episode three. Correct. Yeah, it was. Um an amazing tour, family run, hopefully those five touch wood, COVID. Mm-hmm. and yeah i i'm intrigued to know if anyone else who's been to australia whilst you're there you link you licked an ant's bum i'll be intrigued well I can't are we alone in this yeah i want to know yeah it was it just our group yeah <laughs> had he just discovered it himself made up the aboriginal stuff and it's like no this is my own discovery i lick ants bums now and also, these the I don't even know are these ants native to Australia, or do, do people lick ants' bums in other countries? Can anyone tell us? Does anyone in the UK just go outside and lick ants, knowing there's absolutely no flavour? <laughs> so, well, well, that's probably what a lot of people would say about our food. <laughs> absolutely no flavour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on next to an experience that you went through. Without me, unfortunately. Yeah. Where you, 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 you can tell the story. So, I think I was nine, going on ten years old at this point. Mm. Um, and for anyone who's a very keen skier, you, there's a good chance you've heard of the Valley Blanche. It's uh, off-piste ski run, which makes sort of no sense to me, but it's a well-known off-piste run effectively so it's they don't snow plow it they don't maintain it you just get reports of the snow levels like Mm. you would anywhere in the world and it's sort of the bucket list item for a lot of skiers all over the world people travel all over the world just to have said they've done valley Mm. blanche it's a 20 kilometer off-piste ski run for intermediate if you've got high mountain guides or advanced I do recommend you still have a high mountain guide with you mm-hmm. um, just because unless you really are advanced to a whole different level or you know the area really, really well, it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, it's a lot of risk. And it's 20 kilometers of the most surreal landscape. So you start off coming out of the top of a mountain called Agri de Midi, which is like, imagine a giant metal needle on top of a mountain 
And if you're watching YouTube, we'll pop one up here. And then you walk out on a ridge, and on your left-hand side is like a 400-meter drop. I'm and on, sure your and, fear of and on your left is about really 100. This. And you're walking along a ridge which is no wider than maybe two foot wide. Oh, wow. And the first time I did it, I think I was nine or ten years old when I first did this. Which now I look back and it sounds insane. Yeah. But, so I skied it the first time, and then you walk along this ridge and it takes... You're going along this big ridge for maybe 10, 15 minutes walking. Wow. Like, I mean, you're not running down it, obviously. Um, and mm. I don't know, it's quite common that someone falls off it to the left. And because it's such a big cliff on the left, it's like three, 400 metres. Normally, the weather's not that great, funnily enough, along a cliff edge or the top of a mountain at 3,500, 3,600 metres high. So sometimes there have been cases where bodies have been left there for like four days before they could actually rescue them via helicopter. Oh my goodness. Um, so anyway, so you go down this, go down this slope and to put this in context for anyone who isn't a skier, it's more like if you have spent your life running, your peak might be, for example, going and running the London Marathon. That to you might be, that is going to be my goal in my running career. Mm -hmm. is I want to say that I've run the London Marathon, whether it's for charity or just for yourself you might want to go and do that or if you're a triathlete you say at one point in my life i want to do a half iron man or a full iron man that could be your peak to some skiers this is the outright like this mm. is the dream to go and do this is the ultimate ski holiday because if you get it on a good day i i personally have never skied or snowboarded somewhere where it's that amazing because it's super wide section then yeah. you get, end up on the glacier and this is where the main part of the story comes in is when I was that first time going down, when I was nine, ten years old, you come onto the glacier called the Murder Glass, which is one of the longest. Sounds dangerous. Well, Murder Glass is French for the Sea of Ice. So it's one. Still sounds. So it's dangerous. one of the longest glaciers in the world, and you end up skiing down a long, long section of it, maybe for six or seven kilometers, something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And when we're on there, we like to. Whenever we're doing it, we like to then have our break and we go and have a picnic on the middle of a glacier. It's slightly surreal. Mm -hmm. And the first time we did it, our mountain guy was like, oh, I bought some equipment with us. I was like, okay. And you're skiing the whole time. We ski the whole thing wearing harnesses. Yeah. Which is very different. Harnesses and ice, ice picks in the back of your backpack. And he just said, oh, right. Do you guys want to go in a crevasse? And my brother and I, you know, I was like nine years old. He was maybe 11. Might have been younger than that. Wait, how old were you? I think I, I think I was nine and Ed was 10 or 11 years old. Okay. We just like looking at each other and Ed was like, I'm leaving you And I was a little bit younger thinking, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you don't actually need to use an ice screw for a lot of things. And he showed you this is one of the like safety things you're taught as a high mountain ago. So he got his skis. Mm -hmm. stabbed them in a X formation in the snow mm -hmm. and used that as his anchor for us. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, when you're a kid, you're looking at him thinking, do I trust him? <laughs> <laughs> and then he lowered us down at the same time into a crevasse, maybe four meters deep, five mm -hmm. meters, onto what's called an ice bridge, which is where if you've got a big crevasse, if anyone doesn't know, it's, imagine just like a long but thin hole crack throughout the glacier mm -hmm. and an ice bridge is a bit which connects the two sides of the crevasse okay so you don't know if it's stable or not that makes sense ours wasn't that stable because mm -hmm. it dropped about half a foot whilst we stood on it at one point 
which was a combination of the ice bridge slash the skis giving way. Nice. nice. So the skis so slightly give way, but it's still attached to the to the ski guide. So you're just hoping that he's then himself strong enough to you know hold you up. Both of you at the same time. Yeah, we were quite young at the time. Oh, um, makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was one of the most surreal things was being that young, going skiing. One of the biggest things that and I I mean since then I might have done it. 12, 13 more times. What, ice bridges or the... Do, do, doing the Valley Blanche. Um, and sometimes you just go for it and you try and do as much of the top to bottom in one go as you can, which by the end of the day is very tiring. How, how long does it take you to go top to bottom? I think if you start right at the beginning of the day and you just have the mentality, I want to just go for this and cruise this, I think a push, you could probably do it three times in a day. And that would be a push. But there's a certain time of the year and this is, this is now my like new bucket list goal. Is on a full moon. On a full day. moon, you're meant to be able to ski it with a, just a head torch and using the light of the moon. Oh wow! That's up there, my bucket list. But that is getting full moon and perfect weather all in one. Because mm. you basically wait at the top as it just keeps getting colder and colder, and you're like, "Yeah, let's get ski now. I'm freezing." Yeah, <laughs> that's bucket list level. But for anyone who, that, yeah, that's high levels skiing. That, at yeah, that, that that's then. That's them really committing to going and doing something to death. a bit more great. Oh, it'd be so much fun, though. What but, death? <laughs> but for anyone who doesn't really ski or snowboard or would love to, set that goal. <laughs> uh, goal Go setting out. in general life is a very good thing. Yeah, but whether it's, you know, not necessarily valuable, I'll say if you've never skied before and you really want to ski. Or skiing in the Alps for lots of people who don't live in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's massive. Um, but with with skiing, I think a lot of people associate skiing as just being rich people's sport. Mm -hmm. Really expensive. If you go to some of the events out there or if you look for some of the deals, I know of people who have gone out skiing, including ski pass and just cheaper accommodation for £300 for the week. You can ski £350 for the week. reasonably cheap in Serbia, which I actually talk about in a quick travel guide that's Oh yeah, you can see anyway. You've, you've got the Alps. You, Turkey's meant to be amazing skiing. Yeah, I really want to go to Turkey to ski. Yeah, that would be cool. Skiing on Antarctica. <laughs> that maybe wouldn't be cheap. Maybe not, unless we sponsored. <laughs> Imodium, come at us. <laughs> so Morgan, your one. We've got the Devil Museum. So this was in Lithuania with yeah. Zoe and. We decided that we wanted to take a day trip out of Vilnius, which is the capital, yep. and we went to Kornis. Mana Vardas Ira Will. Perfect. Which means my name as well. I know. <laughs> I, that's all I've got. <laughs> I assume that's from your Lithuanian flatmate. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, we wanted to go to Kornis, which is, was the capital city of culture in Europe. Okay. Uh, which always, uh, I mean... How cultural did it I feel? Mean, I mean, Hull won that um, once. Yep, moving on. Okay, yeah, moving on. So, this, so in Cornus, we went to a devil museum. And this is Ooh. the largest, pretty much only devil museum in the world. It's very unique. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Essentially, it's this guy called Antanas. Have you seen the name? 
No. And I want to watch you suffer. Antanas Zmudizinanaviscus. Antanas Zumidzinaviscus. We'll go with that. Yeah, so in 1966, Antanas basically collected a load of devil sculptures and had over 260. By 1966, when Antanas died, he had around 260 devil sculptures and people started coming to see him just to see all these sculptures. Really? And he just, the collection kept growing and people would just start bringing him devil gifts from around where they were from because they were like, I want to be part of... Part of the collection. The collection. And just almost by accident, this became a thing where everyone from all around the world would come over and bring devil gifts. So neither of us are religious, but did it feel weirdly sinful? It felt like a really bit six, six, strange. Six, isn't it? And, and the other thing was, when we were there, there was... So now... Yeah. There is about three to 4,000 items across three floors. Oh, it's growing? A tiny bit. Okay, yep. yep. Really, really big. And this kind of creepy thing was, is we were pretty much the only ones there in this museum. Oh, it was dead? <laughs> A lot was dead. Uh, we were pretty much the did only you bring, ones there. Did you bring something for the collection? I tried to leave Zoe there, but unfortunately... <laughs> Couldn't get rid of her. Um, That's not very nice to Zoe. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe. I don't. We're going to send this to Zoe. <laughs> yeah, you've dug yourself a big hole there. I, I don't know how to get out of this hole. I brought her back. I saved her and brought her back. Yeah, I can still no, see the other hole. Still, yeah. 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 Still not doing so well. So, did you enjoy it? Would you recommend it? If you're in Lithuania. It's such a bizarre experience, you almost need to do it. I would 100% recommend it. Okay, yeah. Um, and and I've got the, the travel, the tourism slogan for Lithuania. Yeah. Is the G-spot of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? No. Because no one knows where to find it, but when they do, they really enjoy it. And this is honestly the Lithuania tourism. In it's their genuine. That is slogan. their push. Yeah, oh, it won dear. awards. What? Unsurprisingly, for being quite a good travel slogan. I mean, it's quite witty. <laughs> well, if you know what could that you, is, could you imagine it, our? Could you imagine our travel board in the UK coming out with something like that? What would the UK be if we were to come up attempt something witty? I don't know. No, there's only no, negative the, things. That was about to say, the only thing that comes to mind is colonisation, <laughs> and we can't really... No, moving no, on swiftly. Moving. 100% recommend Devil Museum if you're in Lithuania, though. One of the interesting things with the Devil Museum was just seeing how the devil is portrayed in a different light through different cultures. And how was it portrayed? So, well, this is a collection all over the world, though, so yeah. it's hard to say in cultures, but was it a celebration? Was it an exhibition? Was it was it actually just against him? It, it definitely wasn't against him. It was more of an exhibition. Okay. 
Uh, it wasn't. I wouldn't even necessarily say it was celebrating him. It wasn't something weird like that. It was just an exhibition for this man who really. It wasn't some Satanist temple, you know. You don't have the star quite, on the floor with loads of candles. It was quite a bland, large museum with big, em- well, not empty rooms, big rooms full of all these artifacts. And yeah. So from Africa, they were like big, sort of wooden masks with what looks like feathers but not quite feathers and then and you just thought oh there's nothing in the collection from the UK I'll try and leave Zoe here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, mu- that must have been what it was <laughs> that's what went through your head yeah must have been <laughs> uh, and then there were some there were some items that were sort of like almost like gnomes but with devilly faces well like garden gnome star gnome yeah, that kind of thing. It was really creepy, and, and you'd and you'd quite often walk around the corner, and then there'd just be one in your face looking at you. Oh, that's a bit odd. And it would be slightly scary, but it was very unique. Not quite licking ants' bums, but very unique. Yeah, that's. I must go. Drop a comment below if you've been to the Devil Museum in Lithuania, the G spot of Europe. So now we've stopped talking about G-spots. Can you tell us about elephants playing? (laughs) So, once again in this series of our podcast, and whilst I was out in Africa, I was in Zambia at the time. And everyone has this stereotype image that, you know, lions are the king, they're these beasts which sort of, they they sort of rule everything they take on everyone and that was very quickly turned around when we were in the middle of it was sort of like a small forest woodland and we'd been watching we'd been actually it was sort of all a combination we were watching this warthog and we thought oh god this seems like a little bit weird. And then out of nowhere, we so saw... you're talking about God now. We've just spoken about the devil. Exactly. <laughs> and then, so there was this warthog. And we saw these lions turn up. And we were just mm. like, oh, Ooh. you know, we might witness our first, get down. our first ever kill. Went terribly. The, the lions were horrendously camouflaged. Made loads of noise while stepping through <laughs> on twigs. So the warthog ran away. And just a few minutes later... Could they not chase down the warthog? Warthogs are fast, Morgan, and also warthogs have been known to kill lions. Oh, really? Yeah, because they've because they've got their little tusks. They if they if a warthog gets defensive and they charge at you, it's like when you see like you know, same with goat or antelope. When they lock their head in, it's it's like a little mm. bulldozer, and they they've got these big tusks, so they can be really defensive. And just a few minutes later, we then thought, oh, we'll follow these lions, and then these two <laughs> elephants. These two bull elephants were just sort of hanging around. And then they just deadpan looked at the lions. And in an instant, they must have thought, oh, this is a fun game. <laughs> and they just chased the lions for amusement. And they were just like <laughs> running a few circles around. And wha- I'm like, they don't wag their tail like a dog, but they flap their ears out tr- looking enormous. Yeah. And they look like they're just having an absolute whale of a time. And the lions, terrified. Mm. The thing is, if an elephant gets near you, well, if an elephant stands on you... Yeah, an elephant could crush it. I mean, so, you know, there are quite a few animals which can kill a lion. Mm. Not necessarily in the same fashion, but, you know, like a zebra, if they rear, rear kick a lion in the head, then it kills it basically mm. instantly. 
Same with the horse. Yeah. It's, well, and zebra's just sheer muscle. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was. I think it's one of these bizarre things where you make such an assumption about sort of lions mm. and everything. You know, we grew up in the generation of watching Lion King and Bugs Life and all these things where you start to build this stereotype of the animal kingdom. And then when you see it in real life, you think, no, they they are just big cats which get scared quite easily and an elephant is massive that <laughs> is it's, they're, they're very small reasonably agile with very sharp teeth but then lots what, of a lion no they're not small they are enormous compared to elephants oh compared to an elephant yeah but a lion is still big large <laughs> yeah relative to when you look like a leopard cheetahs are tiny mm. because they're so thin and leopards are smaller and then lions are just like a block but then muscle well they're quite lazy they, they do really lie around lazy. a lot don't they leopards are pretty lazy cheetahs like they're just cats it's <laughs> like a household cat just on a larger scale they're just lazy they like to lie and sleep they don't do much but it was just this whole concept of seeing seeing the lions almost being picked on which mm. was really funny to see but it was that whole you really aren't expecting it and I think that's one of the fun like most fun things about whenever you go on if you ever are fortunate enough to go on to a safari is seeing everything happen that you didn't think could happen mm. you know being walking back to your tiny room and it's you know 8pm or 9pm and there's just an elephant stood by your door so you have to go back to the <laughs> bar and sit down for an hour and then you come back and the elephants move around the other side so you can sneak yeah. in and then you fall asleep just listening to an elephant destroying everything around you. That that must be weird because there's there's not much you can do about that. No, there's nothing you, you can do gotta, about it. You just got to put a mouse in front of the elephant and hope that it runs away like they do in the cartoons. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's what happens, Morgan. <laughs> cartoons are all real. <laughs> so we're going on to... Our last, but not least, is Morgan's favourite, favourite spooning partner. <laughs> it was when he was on a bus in Cambodia. Because who doesn't spoon on buses? <laughs> so, Morgan, <laughs> why? Why were you on why? this bus? I didn't have a... Where ch- we, okay, start off. Where were you going and where from? So, I was going from Cambodia into Bangkok. Yeah. And it was roughly a 28-hour bus journey. Okay. So Pretty re- long. <laughs> reasonably long. Um, and, of course, uh, I was recommended the Super Deluxe bus from my hostel. How much was it? Do you remember? I can't quite remember, but it wasn't expensive at all because Cambodia is not an expensive country to... And of course, on the Super Deluxe bus, you got you know massive double bed, on suite, yeah, private showers, dining, a waiter. Cons. Yeah, we had caviar come through. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, truffle, truffle, everything. Yeah, <laughs> it was just wonderful. And now back from Instagram to reality. <laughs> Turn up. Yep. Uh, we get there. It's not a. I say we. It's just myself. It's not a bus stop. It's well. It's a bus stop. It's not a bus station. It's meant to be a bus station. Yeah. But lots of these places, bit surprising. It's at night, and this is actually the first time that I've ever travelled alone. Yeah. And 
I'm walking around, I'm showing my ticket to everyone trying to find the bus, eventually find the bus, get on. They show me, you actually have seats that you have to sit in. Oh, you do? You're assigned seats, you don't have a choice. Because otherwise, a lot of this story could be avoided. It <laughs> could be. If you had a choice, yeah. Yeah, very easily. So you're assigned seats, it's more like a plane. Yeah. In that sense. And I get up i'm on the top bunk and it is literally when you say seat do you have a physical seat and then a bed no no it's it's literally a mattress it's it's a mattress reasonably comfy so is it like a corridor and then there's just beds stacked up either side yeah yeah with not much height above you so if you crash you're just dead Uh, yeah thinking about it i'm not quite sure where the seat belts were meant to go if there were any. So you're on this little bunk. So I'm on this little bunk. Are you alone? Currently alone. Okay. I, I get up. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is a, like a reasonably large single bed. You know what? I say reasonably large. It probably wasn't much thicker than this. No. Because if, if you think about it, it's it probably... If you think about it... For if, anyone listening, this, this table's maybe... I think it's 60 centimetres wide. It's meant to be two reasonably small seat width okay, yeah. apart. And, but it's a single mattress. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is going to be so comfy. Getting really excited about the night. Uh, I start sort of putting my stuff, spreading it out, lying down. Uh... And then, <laughs> just as I was taken to my seat Victoria by the Secret's attendant... Model approaches this beautiful Cambodian family come up and I see lots of commotion outside and I'm like okay I've seen that more of one of more than one of them has gone into the same cubby hole does that mean this is for two people not one And and I was just like, oh no, oh no, and I see, and you're just like, I hope I get, I hope I get the bloke. <laughs> I see the mother and the two children go, and they go in with her, and then suddenly I see the father, who is a fifty odd year old Cambodian man, quite portly, and uh, he starts climbing in gets in and he sort of looks at me and I go oh uh, hi <laughs> and he's like oh hello did he speak so, English he spoke a bit of English yeah. yeah weirdly my 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 impression of myself was worse English than his repl- response but um he says hi and then I we try and start talking because we both realize what's about to happen so luckily as I do for all my spooning partners, is you introduce yourself and you try and... <laughs> break, Who's Big Spoon? Break the ice. Um, did, you, was, did you spoon, or was it like back-to-back, head-to-toe? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, because I sort of turned away. It, it was probably a spoon, but I found out that he... Were which, you Little Spoon or were you Backpack? I was 100% Little Spoon. No, because I didn't want my Backpack. Oh, so he was Backpack? He was, yeah. I, we So we spoke for a bit beforehand and... Just broke the ice. He was, yeah. 
he was telling me about how his he was really excited because this was his first time that his kids have ever gone abroad and he was just over the moon to be able to afford oh, so big, to big take deal. them. So it was massive for them. And I was telling him what I've been doing and about my trip. And then the lights turned off and we were getting ready to go to sleep because it's a night, it's a night bus. This is half 10, 11 o'clock at night. And obviously... Uh, well, I don't know. What would you do? Would you face him or face away? Uh, I'd face away. Yeah, hundred percent face away. So I was, and I was, I was blocked in the corner. So I. So was, what do you need? To, do you prod him awake when you need the loo? Yeah, yeah. Or and then sort of like how, how much? How much like ceiling heights above your face? If I was lying on my back, what are we saying? I'd probably say under the table. Oh, so you've got you know a foot and a half. Yeah, so enough to be able to... A large coffin for two. Climb over. Oh, you climb be. over? I, I didn't... I might have done, actually. I think I did, because we... Oh, Morgan. So I, I, fa- I turned around, I faced the window, I cuddled up, my, um, I put my bag by my feet, <laughs> interlocking the arms with my feet, even though... Did you give him a little peck of... Peck goodnight? Of course, of course. Good night, darling. Yeah, and I could just feel his hands on my hips and <laughs> um, <laughs> but, wrapped his arms around you like a seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, I'll made me feel safe. really safe. <laughs> and yeah, I because I didn't want so he didn't do any of that, just to be clear. Um <laughs> but I didn't I still didn't want to be touched even though that wasn't really possible so i was sort of squeezing like my face and body up against the window <laughs> trying to keep away from him um and he just scooted closer yeah the whole time we need just... to keep each other warm morgan <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just put my music in and tried to go to sleep it you couldn't really move because every time you sort of want to roll around, you're reminded what's happening. Yeah, for 28 hours. Yeah, and yeah, for a long, long time. And we actually did have... Our bus had a puncture. This, this so is, it was a lot longer than 28 hours? It was a lot longer. Um, our bus had a puncture and... <laughs> Oh no! And at that point, I actually did choose to get out, run, run, just stay in the middle of Cambodia in pitch black darkness. I was in. It was in the middle of the night. Yeah. Oh yeah, complete middle of the night. They just stopped and they didn't tell anyone anything. They just got off, and you get off and they they've started smoking, and then there's one man on his own just trying to change the, the tire. Tire <laughs> whilst. So so once they realised it was a tyre, they then kind of woke everyone up and sort of said, majority of you need to get off whilst we do this. So you can jack it up and yeah. change it. But Did you get off so you could stretch your legs and everything? And go to the toilet, yeah. yeah. But it was one of the How most... How many people do you reckon were on the bus? 60, probably. Oh, quite a lot. Yeah, it was one of the most strangest experiences because in, bar everything I've said, but in the Western world, it's not something that you'd ever 
be it would be weird to be forced not forced but there's nothing you can do once you're on this like you can't it was fully booked so yeah. you can either get off or you just have to deal with it was there any food and drink or was it you had to bring your own no there was no food or drink it was you you sleep you the bought your time. own stuff yeah it was just just imagine all the different scenarios you can have where it can go wrong this situation i'm so intrigued because we start off this episode licking ants bums and talking about that bizarre experience i'm wondering if anyone watching or listening today has had an experience as weird or weirder than morgan's because you definitely need to write into us or comment on this video below because we will tell that story. Give us some good detail and we will tell that story in our next unique episode. Or we'll get you on we'll get you on it. Yeah, or yeah, or you could send us a little video clip or anything. Or we can we get you on. You could send us a video of you talking about it and we'll record it. But I uh... <laughs> would you do it? Would you how would you feel? If I was in that situation I'd probably be travelling with someone anyway. You don't think you'd solo Cambodia, probably not. Well, it, it wasn't like I didn't solo travel to Cambodia. It was just I was leaving to Bangkok earlier than the people uh, I was the with. Others. Uh, okay. Mm, yeah, potentially. Twenty-eight hours though. But yeah, you. But so many things could go wrong. I think it'd be different knowing I'm getting on the bus and that's going to happen to getting on the bus and then that just happening and having to put up with it. Yeah, and all, but yeah, which which was strange, but also I'm. I'm a male, and I was on my own. But yeah. Imagine being a solo female. Yeah. Mm. Couples, nah. though, I think they. I think it was sold for couples. I think that was the idea of the super deluxe. Yeah, and that that I could I could understand because that'd actually be all right. And that would genuinely be comfier than having bits in between you because you'd be able to spread out. I over think that'd be other. fine. Yeah, but. But solo traveling is probably not one, <laughs> not 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 a best kept secret that we would recommend. I'd also be intrigued to know if anyone else has been on a bus like this or had any other experiences like this, where they've been sort of put in very close quarters with a stranger, and we're not talking about Amsterdam. Or anything you can do in Amsterdam. <laughs> Morgan said it, not me. Well, this is the end of our unique, funny, interesting, bizarre, if you, if you think about Morgan getting spooned in the last one, experiences. But if you enjoyed this episode, including licking ants, bums, going skiing, going and uh, celebrating Satan in Lithuania, the G-spot of Europe, then please drop us to subscribe on this video if you're watching us on YouTube. Make sure you ring that notification bell. Give us a cheeky like. Comment below if you've got any stories that you'd like to tell us. Or follow us on Instagram at the BKS Travel. Or Best Kept Secrets Travel on YouTube or all podcast platforms. And if you didn't know, for every 50 downloads we get on podcast platforms, we are planting a tree. And for every 100 YouTube subscribers we get on this channel we're also going to plant a tree and that will be in a national trust site across the uk to try and preserve it for future generations but if you haven't done already which i really recommend you do is go and watch our other episodes of this podcast you're going to learn how to save money enjoy your holidays even more and 
you're going to understand and learn about the mistakes that we've made so you don't have to. Next week's episode is going to be a little more normal, but still very good, in that we're going to talk about the seven wonders of the world. Ooh. Could you? Do you reckon that you could name them off the top of your head before, before you listen to the episode? I don't know, but you'll find out at Wednesday, 6 p.m. Roll the outro. Yeah, let's make it happen. I hope that you can handle uh, going on adventures, best kept secret travels. Yeah, all over the globe, having fun. You know the deal. Amazing secret locations. Hang out with Morgan and Will. Uh, educating, entertain, haggle in the market. Uh, sharing their experiences. Time to get it started. Let's go.